Welcome, welcome everybody to the Emerge From Your Box podcast. Today I've got a super special guest. Her name is Antonella Traino. I actually met Antonella for the first time at a meditation seminar where her um, where she was introduced by Ray Behan. And she's got an absolutely incredible, amazing story. And um, this is the reason why I wanted her to come on today and share with us, um, you know, her journey. So I also had the opportunity to spend some time with Antonella in Fiji. And, you know, we can talk a little bit about that as well. And um, yeah, without further ado, please welcome Antonella Traino. <laughs> Hi, Margaret. Thank you for having me here today. It's really great to be here and I'm looking forward to sharing my story. Thank you so much for coming on. Um, I can't wait for everybody to hear your story because when I first heard your story, it brought me to tears. So, you know what, without, um, without giving too much away, I'll let you start the journey. Yeah, so uh, it was... Uh, back in 2012, when I was originally diagnosed with leukemia and, um, um, you know, that was quite a difficult pill to swallow because uh, before that, you know, like I had a few small symptoms, but there was nothing really major. Um, but nevertheless, I went and had a blood test and, and, and uh, that came out. And, you know, in that moment, my whole life, you know, sort of started to flash in front of me thinking that, you know, there's so many things I haven't done and um, am I going to have a chance to do them? That's a pretty earth-shattering um, revelation that's come about from, a you know, as you mentioned, you were quite healthy, there was no signs and it just came out of nowhere. Yeah, yeah. I was only 35 at the time, so I was still pretty young. And, um, you know, prior to that, I'd done a lot of personal development work uh, with some, you know, great trainers out there and, and, you know, PD people. And, you know, I understood a lot about the relationship between uh, mind and emotions and our physical health. Yeah. And, um, you know, I also knew the theory behind creating a, love that, a life that you love. And um, what I found was that, um, you know, I, I couldn't just know it in theory. I had to be implementing it in my life, you know. Hey, it, it's so important because you're absolutely right. I, I know a lot of people that do a lot of self-development, which becomes shelf development. It just sits yeah. there. They never put it into practice. They never embody what it is that they're learning and um, absorbing. But, you know, it's so handy that you had that information um, at your disposal and within your unconscious mind to be able to access when you were going through these because um, I know your story and I'm not going to ruin the story. I'll let, you st- I'll let you share the details of the story. But, um, you know, what's going through your mind at that point? Like you're a healthy girl, you know, in your mind you were. And then it, to, to, come, to come face-to-face with something like leukemia is, is massive. Um, Take us through that journey. Take us through what was going on in your mind at that point in time. Yeah. Well, you know, sitting in the doctor's surgery, I remember that day um, very clearly. Um, You know, the doctor rang me at 9am that morning to tell me to get to the, to the, um, you know, to the medical officers ASAP, but they don't tell you what it is until you get there, but they tell you to bring somebody with you. And so it's like, you know, why do I have to bring somebody with me? There's, there's some bad news here. But, yeah, the, the, the two thoughts that w- were spinning around in my mind was, 
you know, the sadness of feeling that I hadn't achieved everything that I'd wanted to achieve. Mm -hmm. And that, you know, potentially you know, I'd probably die in two years time, you know, within two years. And, and I, and, you know, what the doctor was telling me about at the time, it was just swirling around in my head. It was just, you know, you know, like the noise just kind of almost goes into a blurred sound. Yeah, it'd be completely overwhelming having to go from like, you know, you're thinking, you're just getting a checkup or you know for some reason you just got a little symptom and you've got a cold and all of a sudden you literally your world turned upside down because yeah. you've got all of a sudden um, a diagnosis and you know sometimes doctors give a diagnosis and a prognosis you know so mm -hmm. I don't know how far along in that conversation um, you would have been in but myself I would have been feeling exactly the same way not that I've yeah. ever experienced having to be diagnosed with that so thank yeah. god you're here to share the story yeah um, but wow, you know, um, and it's in those moments, isn't it? That things like meditation come into play. How calm can you be? Yeah. How composed can you remain when your whole world just literally is spinning upside down in front of you? Yeah, definitely. And and as I, you know, speak about this, I always get taken back there and I start to feel that feeling of mm. being there in that moment. And, um, you know, and... It was just, uh, it was really hard, you know, the thought of I was afraid of coming home and telling my mum because I thought that she would just be absolutely crushed with the news and and my brother was in the, in the medical office with me and, I mean, I can only imagine how crushed he was to hear his little sister, you know, being yeah. diagnosed with such a thing and, um, you know, telling <laughs> my other brother and the rest of my family. This is one of the things that I love about you. Look at what you were going through. Look at the diagnosis you just received. And the first thing that came to mind was, I don't want to hurt other people with the news because this is happening for me, that yeah. I'm actually getting teary just thinking about it. <laughs> you know, it's so beautiful. And this is exactly why I wanted you to share this with people because in that moment, you were, you were being selfless already. Mm. You hadn't even worked out like in your own mind what was actually happening for you. Um, yeah so what were the next steps how did you so then that was the day that in my mind I became the girl with leukemia and that was the girl I didn't want to want to be because I just wanted to be me but now I've got this label on me and this whole different life ahead of me now you know so it was actually uh, three days before Christmas that I was given the diagnosis and we were supposed to go out Christmas shopping and have, you know, Christmas celebrations and things. But, you know, I remember from the moment that I was diagnosed and heading out of the doctor's surgery to the, the hospital because I had to go see a specialist now to you know have it confirmed and to talk about my diagnosis and prognosis and treatment and so on I, I knew from that moment that I had to change my life and you know even though I was like you know completely overwhelmed with the diagnosis but I also knew that somehow I had to learn to love what it was giving me and, um, you know, that was going to be the hard part. And I knew in that moment that I was going to leave my job, that I was going to leave my house and that I was going to change my diet. So those were the first things. There was like no delay on making those decisions. You know, I, I 
So, yeah. So straight that- into straight into action mode. Like, you know, you accepted that that was the diagnosis and the card that you've been dealt because sometimes in life, often in life, we, you know, we receive the lessons because we need, we need to embrace the lessons, but yeah, it's, it's just incredible because some people go through things in life and, and they don't do that. They don't take ownership. They don't um, respect the responsibility that they've been given with whatever's been shown to them. But from the get-go, you were like, okay, yes, I'm owning it. This is what's happened. How do I deal with it? You know, that, that's incredible. Like, yeah, the mindset you need to make that switch so quickly in the moment that it's happening for you. Yeah. Um, you know, how do you build that? How do you build that resilience? How do you how do you do that? Yeah. Well, I think it was quite, I suppose, in in a certain sense, when I look at my whole life as a whole is that the way you build the resilience is because obviously I'd spent so many years doing the work, you know, even though, I mean, it had changed my life somewhat. So, and I also did know the theory, but also building part of the resilience is looking back at my upbringing. And, you know, I mean, this is kind of diverging a little bit, but, you know, being, I was raised Italian and God bless my parents. They loved me and, and, you know, and I was part of a great culture and a great community of people. But, you know, growing up during those times as a girl, um, you know, it's kind of like you can't do this because you're a girl or don't say this because you're a girl or don't speak up because you'll never get married or, you know, like girls can't do this. And not only that, it was also the limited mindsets of you can't achieve your dreams because it's just not possible and money doesn't grow on trees and 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 also just following, you know, the cultural beliefs of how I had to live built that resilience because because I had all these constraints put upon me being that I was an Italian girl and I had to live a certain way it made me um, um, go against all of that so by going against all of that built my resilience up over the years so then when I was confronted with a diagnosis I wasn't just going to listen to what they say I'm, I'm going to you know go against that as well so um, and and it's so it's so interesting that you say that because sometimes people go through life and things happen for them and I can totally relate to that because I grew up in Italy and I had quite um quite firm parents target dad target mom you know it was my way or the highway and I just chose to get off the highway and go in the subway that's I'm very much like yourself and I can totally relate to that resilience story because Part of you in your journey, um, you learn to learn. You learn to listen. You learn to do what you're told, but the other part of you knows that you're not going to do that. However, you've still built the the discipline in you know taking that journey um, that they've taken you on, and you know the path that they've showed you. So it's no fault of theirs, though. You know, yeah, they're, they're doing the best they can, and I can totally relate to that because you know I've had the same sort of upbringing. You just don't speak your mind, do what you're told, be a good little girl, just listen to what we're saying, we know best, all of that, yeah. you know. Um, but, yeah, it certainly, certainly builds your character when you're, built, when you're born and raised in a family like that because Most um, definitely. it's almost, almost military style, it's disciplinary, you know. Yeah. 
Well, I mean, that way taught me independence to be a free thinker, to have courage, you know, exactly the things that I needed to overcome such a thing. So, you know, I, I find many times people in life become victims of their circumstances mm -hmm. and say, well, you know, this happened to me and they treated me this way without looking to see what it's actually, what gifts has it given you? Who's it forced you to become? You know, who wouldn't you be if you hadn't have had that experience? Exactly. So, the traits but, that so many people have um, in the present moment is because of the things that have happened for them in life. And, you know, you, you received those lessons quite early as a young, um, as a young girl, which um, it's, it's amazing and it's beautiful that it came into play and you had that in you to, to fight this, you know, because leukemia is something that people don't survive. You know, yeah. let, let's be realistic about it. People do not survive this and, um, you know, just to have that mindset going into a diagnosis like this, it's, it's absolutely incredible. So if you are listening out there, um, do the work, do the inner work, go deep, like really, really discover who you are because it's through this that Antonella's was able to, um, you know, just channel and tap into that, tap into that strength, tap into that resilience, tap into that confidence, find her voice and just fight it. So you know, how do you do that? How do you start fighting leukemia? My goodness. Yeah. So what I did was when I first um, started this journey, um, I knew that I had to change this thing inside me and I knew that it was joylessness. And, uh, you know, when you look at, um, you know, the emotion behind leukemia, it's a lack of joy in your life. And mm -hmm. as soon as I, you know, found out about that, I knew that it was absolutely hitting the nail on the head. So I knew I had to find joy in my life, you know, because, you know, because joy is like, is, is, is so integral to life. And, you know, your blood and your flow of life and your flow of blood depends on joy. So, you know, the more joy you have in, the in, in your life, the more you're able to flow with life, the more your blood is able to flow with life. So, and know, that's an internal process, isn't it? A lot yeah. of people seek happiness outside of themselves, but what, um, you know, what, you're, what you've shown by being here and, you know, getting through that is that it's an internal process. It's an internal chemical that you activate with, within yourself to fight you know, to fight for anything in life, not just through leukemia. Like you can be having a bad day and by activating that joy um, receptor in you, like, you know, that's why you're here sharing your story. Yeah. So the question is, you know, how do you find joy in the midst of a diagnosis like that? You know, that is like, you know, I mean, how that do you in itself. That? Yeah. That in itself. Yeah. <laughs> So, so that was my um, that was my goal, you know, to find joy again in the midst of this um, disease, you know. And um, it's possible, but it isn't easy. But it is possible because it's possible because you, you know, you can't make your life be all about that. Like you, mm -hmm. obviously, in the moment, you've got to attend your appointments, and you're in that moment where you know you have to be present in that moment but it's equally at the same time um 
you know, finding what brings you joy in life, you know, and, and it's hard, you know, it's very hard. And so in I guess, the beginning, yeah. I guess this is a really good um, opportunity to state the importance of gratitude because in that moment of madness, you had to have gratitude for the other things that were going on. Yes, you're now the girl that has leukemia, but at the same time, you're still Antonella that liked, you know, doing your thing. It's just because of that diagnosis, obviously, your lifestyle completely changed. And I know that you did some things to you know, like fasting and all sorts of things to get around the physical aspect of it. But the mental challenge that you had to have to basically be like 10 people at once, you know, be that girl, but also do the thing that you, that you would do every day. Um, Yeah. That, (laughs) you know, a lot of people can't do that. It's, um, that's a huge obstacle. Yeah. So, you know, initially, I, um, you know, like I did know that I had to meditate. I knew I had to change my state of being. I also really put a lot of emphasis on diet. So I went raw vegan. I did uh, water fasting, juice fasting. I became very anti-conventional medicine and anti-chemo and all those things. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, I really did it with a vengeance and, you know, you name it, I did it. And uh, I I was, you know, very... I didn't put anything into my body that was, you know, that had preservatives in it or, or, or nothing at all, like a totally clean. And, and there um, are there are many benefits to um, doing that and doing a total reset on your body. You know, I do something really simple in the morning, and I think you do as well, like drinking the lemon water to detox your system. Yeah. Um, and it's not to say that it works for everybody and it's not to say that we're for or against it, but sometimes... By doing that, um, you know, the, the process of elimination, you can really discover what your body is capable of. And we know that the body has the capability to heal itself. Yeah. Yeah. So, yes, yeah, so I did all of those things. And, um, and you know, I put on and, – and the thing is that, like, I've met a lot of people that have healed themselves with, um, you know, the, the alternative protocols like the fasting and – um, the raw foods and, and all that sort of stuff. Um, but equally, there are people who are, have healed fully from doing straight chemotherapy. So there's not a one-size-fits-all. But what I learnt from that was because I totally walked away from medicine at the time and went totally alternative. Mm. And, um, you, know, if, you know, I mean, looking back now, like I wouldn't t- say to somebody, do what I did. But, um, it but it was, was your journey and this yeah. is exactly our, our point. Like yeah. some things work for people, some things work for others, but yeah. you knew your body and you were listening to your internal doctor. The best doctor is yourself yeah. right? because you know your body, you know how you feel, you know what you're thinking. Mm. Um, yeah, it's super important for people listening to make sure that, you know, you're not taking this on and saying this is going to fix every, or, or, or do anything like that. You've yeah. really got to um, diagnose like, for you, what works for you. Yeah. And and it could be a combination of both. So exactly. what I discovered now in hindsight is that, um, you know, perhaps that was a mistake. But equally, it was a mistake when I look at it from, you know, the physical realm of things. Mm-hmm. But equally, when I look at it, you know, was it a mistake? Because it taught me a far greater truth and a far greater truth of which I live by now 
Mm-hmm. And um, because what happened at the time, I went completely, you know, natural and so on and walked away from medicine. But my health declined quite rapidly mm-hmm. and uh, to the point where, like, you know, I knew that I was sick, you know, and because I knew what my symptoms were and the more it went on, the more fatigued I got and the more, um, you know, I just had, I just kept, kept getting worse and worse. So, but I was so determined to not be the girl with leukaemia that I still just kept pushing myself, hoping that somehow, like I could overcome this with my meditation and my juices and so on. And isn't to- it interesting? I think I've heard Jim Quick say, you know, if you fight for your limitations, you get to keep them. Mm. And that resilience in you, because you had were so dead set on the fact that, no, I'm not going to use conventional medicine. I'm going to go the holistic way. Mm. It actually, that was a lesson though. That was a yeah. lesson there that you needed to learn about applying resilience, but softening. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> and it's about, you know, it's about having an appreciation for everything in life and it all plays its role. And, and like I say, you know, the natural way of things is fantastic. A lot of people have healed from that. And, um, you know, it gives you a greater, uh, you know, it gives you great health and so on and so forth. And yeah, it's a really good way to set up a strong foundation for your immune system. But, I mean, if you're in a car crash and your leg gets cut off, you're not going to do meditation. You're going to get adrenaline. Yeah. That's a time right. and a place for it, right? Yeah. So I think, um, you know, we... You know, sure, you know, when you look at um, chemotherapy and those types of treatments, they are quite toxic and things like that. But Mm. equally, people have healed from that and it does save lives too. So it's Mm. really having an appreciation for everything that there is. You know, I mean, you'll get some people in in certain countries, they don't have this opportunity, you know, And, and we have this opportunity. And, you know, they would look at us and say, you know, you're so lucky to, to have this. You know, some people see that um, chemotherapy is, you know, if you look at it as, you you know, you can look at it two ways. You can look at it, it's a poison, or you can look at it as this is going to heal me. And yeah. is it possible that your perception on that is what is going to make or break it? You 100%, know? because you can look at it as a poison, but you can look at it as the poison that's um, combating the poison. Yeah, and, you know, um, it's actually, and even taking it back to basics. Now, in a country like Cambodia, where I'm from, um, they don't even have things like Panadol at, in the villages that my parents come from. So when we were over there, we literally brought over. I don't take Panadol because for me it doesn't work, mm-hmm. but you know, um, for people in the village, it, it did help them with basic things. So yeah. it's not even going to the extreme of chemo. It's everyday medicine that um, yeah. some people will respond, some people won't. But it's really your individual choice. To make that Hmm. so you know I decided that obviously I was in a situation where you know I had to hand myself over to medicine now so I had to humble myself and um and I came to appreciate it and I came to see you know I, I had to go to emergency um and they they put me on this machine it's called a leukophoresis machine and that's um filled it's um it's like an intravenous cannula that goes into each arm and it filters your blood, 
the white blood cells out of there because with um, the leukemia I had, I had an overproduction of white blood cells mm -hmm. and they put me on a course of chemotherapy and it's like, well, you know, sure, like I say, you can look at it as a poison or you can look at it as a medicine that is going to make you well. And I chose to see it as a medicine that is going to make me well. And it probably sounds simplistic when I say it or it probably sounds like, oh, I had it in the bag, but I was really, it was very, very scary because I thought I was going to die. Yeah, and I mean, looking back, I can see how you're able to just holistically, you know, have it over your snapshot. But in the moment, there would have been a million other things going on. I mean, you're human, you yeah. know, so, yeah. Yeah. Um, I can't even imagine what that would feel like, but I'm so grateful you're here to share this story because there's so many people listening that might know someone or might be going through it themselves or might have overcome it and just need to to feel like they're not alone because, you know, in those moments, there would have been many moments where you would have been thinking, that's it. It's it's yeah. over. I'm finished. You know, I'm I, I'm going. There's nobody. Yeah. Nobody can help me. I'm on my own. You know, um, you've got a lot of people around you, but in those moments, there would be some mental challenges that you'd have to push yourself through. So, yeah, yeah. yeah. It, you know, um, so really, everything came to a head basically when um, I knew I had to go back to the doctor because I was I was dying. And she came in that day and she said, you better get to emergency right now and don't even stop for a cup of coffee. And, you know, later on, it was like, well, if I didn't get to emergency when I did, I, I didn't have long to live. Like they told um, Ray that, you know, possibly I wouldn't have made it through the night. So, um, wow. so when I got there, everything came to a head because I thought to myself, and like I say, this sounds simplistic because it's, you know, like I'm here now telling it, but in the moment I knew that if I had another chance at life that I had to, I had to absolutely, without a doubt, I had to change my state of being, you know. But it's those moments that are the most profound. Like some of my biggest aha moments come in, I'm in the shower and I'm doing something and then you just get a light bulb moment where you mm. just remember, you just come back to like, what is what is the purpose of an intention of my being here? You know, what am I going to do here if I get another choice, if I get another chance, if I get another breath? And, yeah, it does sound really simple, but life is really simple. Uh, when you when you look at it from that perspective, yeah. um, you made the choice to fight and keep going and live and be here. Thank yeah. you for doing that. Yeah, <laughs> and I'm really glad to be here. And, you know, like... Um, so, you know, I decided I had to go do all the things that I, you know, had been longing to do and do it. And, you know, my life has changed so much because I've gone and, and done those things and, you know, and doing those things come at a price too, because it's full of challenges and it's full of difficulty and it's full of pain doing all of those things. But it's like, you know, if I have my, you know, if I was on my deathbed again, and I didn't do such and such, you know, I would, and if I didn't do it because I thought if I do it, those people are going to criticise me or, or this is going to happen to me if I do that, I'd be deeply regretful at the thought that I'd let the world around me dictate what I should be doing with my life.
And that's the life you lived before, the life in pursuit of other people's joy. But now that you've got, you you know, you've got a chance to say, no, you know what, this is my life. I'm taking ownership of it. I'm going to grasp the the bull of joy and take it head on and do whatever it is that I love. That's, um, it's, you know, sometimes people don't get a second chance, um, but you did and, and you took ownership of that. So it's what has it been like, you know, just over a decade. Um, what have you done in the last decade? Well, um, it was about four years ago that, that I was in hospital. Mm. Um, so in the last four years, um, I have given up my, I used to have a bookkeeping business mm-hmm. and it was just draining me. So I gave that up and I always wanted to do the work that I was doing now, like running workshops and retreats and, and writing and stuff like that. And I'd always wanted to do that. And um, when I first came out of hospital, I wasn't really clear about what I, what I was going to do. But, mm-hmm. uh, and obviously, when I came out of hospital, I was still quite traumatised from everything that had happened. I was still kind of the old me. And so I really had to start putting into practice all the work that I'd done. So I'd be up- completely natural to come out and be in survival mode because that's literally what you had to do there fight for your life and survive um you know the, 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 the c word cancer leukemia yeah so um but to have the aspirations to come out and still set those goals and go for it yeah. again that's amazing yeah and it wasn't it still wasn't over when i came out because when i came out i was in hospital for seven days and they you know thank god to medicine they got me out of that you know, acute situation I was in. Mm. Um, so I came out and my my white blood cell count was, you know, sort of below normal. So my immune system was quite weak. Um, mm. My platelets had gone down. Um, but my leukaemia had actually become more aggressive now. So even though that had gone down, so I was out of the woods, but it had become more aggressive and a lot more uncertain about how it was, where it was going to go. So that was extremely harrowing because my specialist told me that she was going to be watching me like a hawk. So, you know, so I had to keep going to the hospital every week for checkups now. And, um, and so it was very scary because, because it had gotten more aggressive. I now started to become in line for a bone marrow donor. So, you know, wow. my, the, the option was a bone marrow transplant, which is, you know, it's extremely mentally and emotionally and physically harrowing and very, very scary. But I knew that if that was my only option, then I was going to take it. And it's not something you ever train for, is it? It's not the sort of thing that you get trained for because, well, this is real life, you know, for everyone listening. This is real life. This can happen for anyone at any time. So, you know, the fact that you'd built the, um, the mindset to, to be able to challenge, um, you know, to, to take on the challenges that were ahead of you. I mean, I've done obstacle racing. It's completely different to, to fighting something like that. But in the sense, it's, it's very similar because you just don't know what's coming up next, you know. Um, you're kind of thinking, okay, I'm out of the woods here. Everything's going to be good. And then all of a sudden your leukemia is aggressive. You know, that's, that's just crazy. That's um, you know, for anyone that's going through it. My God, my heart goes out to you. And again, thank you so much for sharing that because a lot of people maybe don't even know that that's part of the process. You know, mm-hmm. when you're fighting something like that, I, I lost my um, God brother to 
pancreatic cancer healthy boy within five months gone you know nobody is taught how to deal with that um and sometimes sometimes if they're in that much pain you know um laying them to rest is probably the best thing for them but if if you're not in that situation you've got to keep fighting you know what I mean like it's yeah it just takes so much strength to be able to do that and and for you to share your story, and you know, I, I hope you're doing something like writing a book or, you know, putting something together to share the journey for people because it's so important for somebody, let, picture yourself back in hospital and just wanting some clarity or direction or tools or something to lean on, um, you know, when you're in that moment, just to give you some sort of hope, you know, when you've got that hope and you're like, yes, I want to find that joy again. For them to be able to read something, for them to be able to lean on something, to, to just or just call you, whatever it is. Like, yeah, yeah. I hope you're doing something like that. Yeah. Well, funny that you mention it. Because <laughs> <laughs> one of the things that I really was a very heartfelt thing that I wanted to do uh, while I was on my hospital bed was that I wanted to write my book if I had a chance to do it, and uh, I wanted to write my book about the deep truths, you know. And um, I've actually just finished it. So it's taken four years. Um, Wow. Yeah. And, um, you know, when when I came out of hospital and uh, went through this harrowing time and I decided I had to change my state of being, like ASAP, and I started to get up every day and do my meditations and really, really work on... Um, feeling joyful and like I say how do you feel joyful when all of that's going on but feeling joyful um, and and I started you know visualizing and and mentally rehearsing this book and what I was going to do with it and it actually gave me a lot of um, inspiration like it, it really inspired me so in my meditations I'd see my book and I'd feel so inspired by it, even though I was, you know, in line for a bone marrow transplant. So what I would do is, because I'd go to the hospital every week for a checkup. So I'd go to the hospital and I made sure that when I came home, I did my stuff. Mm. So it's like I'm away from the hospital for a week. So I'm not going to think about the hospital as much as I possibly can. Um, I'm not going to think about it. I'm just going to focus on living my life like as if I'm well. So I do my meditations. I, I actually started, um, you know, putting, I, I started putting, you know, writing blogs and, um, you know. It's so important to do that as well, to vocalise it. You know, what, something that I've learned along the way is that, um you know, expression is the opposite of depression. So it's, you know, that's why a lot of people take on journaling as well. But if you've got a powerful story like you have, I'm so glad that you put it into a book yeah. because people can, um, you know, and even if it's one person, a hundred people or a thousand people or a million people, you know, when they read it and and they they see what you've done, like you're living proof, you know, it's not something that you can make up and go, oh, well, yeah, no, that's a, that's a cool story. Yeah. Like it's a nonfiction story about, 
you, you yeah. know, the girl with leukemia who now no longer has leukemia and is here to share it and basically say, I had this vision when I was on that bed, I was going to write a book and with yeah. setting that intention, having that visualization and meditating towards it, I think Joe Dispenza says it as well, change your state, change your life. That's exactly what you did, right? Yeah. You basically reverse engineered the dream that you had and now when's the book coming out, you know, yeah. like, is, is this something that you would have thought would, was possible back then? You know, part of you, yes, part of you, no, but it's, it's happened. Isn't that amazing? Yeah. So <laughs> what had happened was is that, um, you know, when I was um, uh, when I was out of hospital and I started doing my meditation, I actually started writing my book. So I started writing my book way before I was healed. You know, I started writing my book when I was sick. So how can I write a book about healing when I'm sick? But that's not the point. The point is what would a healed person do? What would I do if I was healed? And my intention when I wrote my intentions at the start of the book, that as I wrote it, that I would continue to heal as I wrote it. So, um, you know, and that's exactly what happened. There is so much power in what you just said there because, you know, you can set fancy intention to do lovely affirmations, but if you don't really believe it in the core of your being that, that you're actually, you are that person already in the present moment and all you're doing is collapsing the time between the space of, you know, being the healed person and being the Antonella that was fighting on a deathbed, um, mm. that is a game changer. It's been a game changer for me as well. Yeah. Um, you know, and I really want people listening to um, take note of that because there's a lot of law of attraction stuff going around, for, for example. Um, and, you know, people are saying things like, I'm beautiful, but they're not really feeling it. So it's really important to really truly embody um, that vision of yourself that you have um, when, when you are manifesting, when you are setting the intention to get better or, you know, to whatever it is intention that you've got. Yeah. Um, and that's the only reason you're here today. I don't think that if you honestly thought that, um, you know, you'd, you'd be telling a different story today. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, it's um, so, yeah. So, so during the whole process, like I had to overcome this fear of the bone marrow transplant and come to accept uh, the possibility of having that. I had to accept the possibility of death. So, you know, I spent a lot of time thinking about, you know, how would I handle my own death? And funnily enough, you know, it's not so much the thought of death that is, uh, is bothersome, but it's everything that you leave behind and everyone that you leave behind, you know, that makes it so bothersome, you know. And equally at the same time that I was really still, you know, ill when I came out of hospital, my mum, who meant the world to me, um, she now was dying herself. So... Um, you know, how do you find joy when your mum's dying and when you are so ill that you're in line for a bone marrow transplant? So, like, so my... I'm you know, speechless. What, yeah. What I encourage people to do is that, is that you have to find a way to get beyond that. So what I found was is that, you know, Trying to find joy is is very difficult, but I think it actually goes beyond joy because what I discovered in my meditation during that time was that I was religiously meditating and 
and I knew I was changing because, you know, we talk about coherence mm -hmm. and we talk about when the brain and heart are in coherence. Mm -hmm. So, you know, that's a very orderly state to be in. And when you are in coherence, your body automatically responds to that coherence. So when you put yourself in, into an orderly state, um, your body responds to that state. So, and for anyone listening, this is not something you do once and it's just woo and it happens overnight. It takes time. It takes patience. And I think one of the biggest lessons that I've learned myself in learning how to meditate is patience because, you know, some people want quick results, but it doesn't happen like that. Um, or it might happen if you're, you know, like super ninja. But yeah. let's be realistic, you know, to heal yourself out of the mindset that you are in and having to fight for yourself and now also your mom, um, you know, it takes repetition, takes, um, yeah. I think, I th was it you shared with me, um, you know, you were doing it for hours some days. And I know Joe Dispenza, he would himself doing hours and hours of meditation, but yeah. uh, doing it, that, that's the purpose of it, you know, um, calibrating the brain and heart, um, you know, making sure that your frequency was matching the energy that you had in the intention of your future self, as opposed yeah. to, you know, this the person that the doctor diagnosed today. Yeah. Well, one of the things I picked up at a Greg Braden talk was once he said that you don't have to think about healing. Mm -hmm. You just have to create this coherent state. And so you create that coherent state through meditation. So the more I created that coherence, the so during this really difficult time, Mm -hmm. of my illness and my mum dying at the same time, I was creating coherence. So even though I wasn't jumping for joy, but I definitely felt that I was mm -hmm. in a place of clarity and um, centeredness and maybe you could say gratitude and um, because I was able to handle the situation with mum as well and remember that mum meant, meant everything to me and, you know, I always mm. thought that if she died, I'd die, you know, and um, but getting into that, creating that coherence, it doesn't mean that you're not going to suffer pain or you're never going to be sad, but it means that you're able to handle your situations um, with greater... Um, order and, and presence and certainty. And, and so that's how I was able to handle what was going on because I was creating that order. And as I created that order, my body started to come into order and my life started to come into order. But it, it wasn't just a day thing because if you do it for one day, you go back into your life and everything's crap, you know, but it's doing it every single day you know it's really. a lifestyle change it's a yeah. it's a mindset change it's a physically like on all, all the planes all the levels mm. it's a complete um overhaul um but then like you've got to be gentle going into the process you can't just you know switch it on and off like that you've got to maintain it embody it and um really embrace what it is that you're doing to to really create that coherence within you um you know, it might be foreign language to a lot of people because a lot of people are just starting to get into meditation and, and all of that. But, yeah. um, you know, hypnosis is very the same. Hypnosis is a stage of theatre. You know, if you think about something like hypnosis, um, mm. you know, from the first seven years of a child's life, is they're in a state of theatre. They're basically subjected to be programmed and receive the instruction that they're supposed to receive. Um, 
uh, and you know set up the foundation of who they are but if you know this we'll go deeper into that at another time mm. but yeah Greg Braden one of my favorite people in the whole world yeah. <laughs> he yeah he goes so, deep into like just like Bruce Lipton epigenetics and and, yeah. the, and the science behind um the self yeah so I mean there's so so much to it like um and yet it's so simple as well um you know and yeah it's hard to explain to somebody how to do it um mm. Because it's an individual process, I think. You know, um, I found gratitude in and joy in my life through stumbling across Joe Dispenza. So mm. before that, I remember my acupuncturist would say to me, you know, um, yeah, you should meditate. You, I feel like you've had seven cups of coffee before my acupuncture session. And I don't drink coffee. I don't take supplements. I don't do anything. It was stress. It was underlying stress that I didn't know about. So um, through diving into Joe's work and, um, you know, it was it was a life changer for me because I like yourself even through last year which was quite challenging for the whole planet you know Mm. there were so many things going on around me and I should have crumbled I should have been brought to my knees I should have given up I was in Melbourne so Melbourne you know caught the heat of it we were in lockdown for like six months or something um but it was because I was able to maintain and create that state yeah that's right that I was able to get through it all and instead of seeing the bad side of it and there were a lot of things and people that suffered through it and you know my heart goes out to them but at the same time for it was also an opportunity to really appreciate that breath because like yourself you know you don't know when your last moment is coming no you don't and for me I didn't go through leukemia um, but it was also an opportunity to take a look and say what is it that I actually want to do you know, and it's beautiful to hear your story because you wanted to write a book. You know, you've wanted to work in um, the spaces of healing people. You've wanted to run the retreat. You were passionate already about personal development before, but now you get to share that with people because you've overcome your old self mm. um, in the process. And, yeah, I, I can't wait to be able to be on one of those retreats with you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so, you know, and, and overcoming that, you know, it, it takes, it's like I say, it's not one thing. It's not, you know, go to one course and that's it or um, do one meditation and that's it or um, have a one-on-one with someone and then that's it. It's like a you need to um, take this on and make it a part of your life and, you know, finding joy and finding happiness and all those things is difficult well especially when you're in like a you know more survival emotions so you know my my uh i would say don't you know search for joy or don't try and conjure those things up just work on creating that order in your brain and your heart creating that coherence because when you create that order through meditation, you know, through other things that we do as well, like you, Margaret, as well, you know, breath work and movement and, and you know, various other things is you st- start to create that order and that coherence and you know when you're in that state. And when you're in that state, you are able to feel more happiness and more joy because, you know, like, you know, ha- happiness is kind of, you can't be happy 24-7, but you can be. No, in- and it, 
anybody that says they are is absolute and it's an absolute lunatic it's impossible you've got to we're humans with emotions you know we're allowed to feel our emotions even though we're not our emotions that's right but you know the more that you can maintain this coherent state the more you're able to you know if you are having a bad day or if you are feeling not that great today you're not going to plummet into the depths of despair for days and days and months on end because yeah, you won't default back to that program because yeah. you've reconditioned yourself with a new yeah. program and you know I love what you said before again just um, reiterating you can't or can you I don't think you can you can't heal yourself with one meditation and you know like expect things to just change overnight but what I have found is that with one meditation some people can get activated you know that actually happened with me the first time I did a meditation with Ray Bihan um, I, I don't know what happened to me I think that was the first time that I had what Doja Smith calls a heart orgasm my heart just opened and I was just falling in love with the universe I'm like yeah. how did that happen and that was because of the frequencies that he was using the commands that were um, you know um I don't know what happened, but I know what I felt. Sometimes it's hard to explain. And that's the thing about, um, you know, this work. Sometimes it's really hard to explain to people because we're not working with you. We're working with your unconscious mind. So there are things that are happening that are beyond our control and beyond words um, explanation, but you feel it. Like I felt in love with the universe. And at that time that I, that it happened for me, I was at rock bottom in my life I was it was um yeah I think it was November or December 2017 before I'd done any of the deep work that I myself like you have um, dived into now but I felt the profound activation like I felt that there was a need for a change I, I, there was something that poked me and said okay um you've got to change your life if unless you want to go back to everything that you've experienced before you've got to make changes in your life you've got to change your mindset you know you've just got to change the way you approach um embodying your temple and and being in love with life yeah and you know looking for that joy but diving inwards and like what you've done is what's been working for me you know previously I realized that I was like oh um yeah you know I'll just buy a new car or I'll just buy you know really looking outside of myself yeah but like you said, just recalibrating and, and sometimes making that journey from your head into your heart is challenging because there's a lot of chaos and noise in your mind. You know, there's, oh, there is. there's a lot of stories. And I'm sure like you shared one earlier about growing up in a family where there were expectations and limitations and silencing you and all of that. Mm. You know, so it's important for people listening to, to, to also acknowledge it's it's not easy, but it can be simple if you've got the right um, strategies and tools. Yeah, and you know it's not, and it's also not what just what you're thinking. It's that you're biologically um, programmed that way. Like you, we actually become our thoughts. Mm-hmm. So you know when when we're constantly angry or getting triggered by things, we're biologically wired like that. You know, so releasing anger isn't just about releasing a thought. It's about, like, rewiring the whole mind and body because the body responds to the mind and the mind responds to the body and and it's a whole big loop, you know. That's where we talk about epigenetics, you know, and and psychoneuroimmunology, you know. So... Exactly. If you look into anger... like a lot of people that have, I think, liver, the liver's connected, liver disease connect, is connected to anger, mm. um, you know, and diving deep into the epigenetic side of it, 
to some people it might be woo woo but um, the only way that it'll work out for you is if you try it for yourself mm. you know go and do some things that actually stop you feeling anger because remember when you say something like I am angry you're actually not angry you're just feeling anger so make sure you make that separation between what you're telling yourself and um you know and we're majority water so you know you know the Emoto study as well like if you speak that way to water it's going to respond to you in a certain way yeah um, that's right but diving deeper into epigenetics is definitely a field that I'm passionate about. We can talk for hours on that as well. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> you know? um, but, yeah, so it's just the constantly just chipping away and really being conscious of who you're being. And, um, you know, every time I'd go for a blood test and I'd find my results were stagnating because I was stagnant for a good a good year they were stagnant and they weren't moving and my leukemia um, results were stuck at around 30% um, and which is like 30% of my bone marrow is leukemic cells and so it was stuck for about a year and that is very unconventional with the medical because it's like well why is it stuck it should Mm. be working you're taking this medication so we're, you know, we're going to have the bone marrow on standby in case something happens, you know. And But I just kept doing my work every day, acting like the healed person, you know. Uh, and um, also the people I had around me were super important. Like the, the, the people that you spend your most time with, like play such a crucial role in your recovery If you have people around you who think you're going to die or say how bad it all is and Mm. like that is going to be a major influence. So I was blessed that I had my partner who never, ever spoke to me about, um, you know, that I was going to die or that things were so bad. And he always encouraged me to go and do my work. So Mm. sometimes I'd just get up and go do my meditation just to get him off my case. (laughs) Because <laughs> he's like, did you meditate today? Why didn't you meditate? You better go and meditate, you know. And then I'd be like, oh my god, I've got to just got to go do it just to shut him up. And um, yeah, proximity is power, and you are the best of five. You have one of the best in the world next to you. So oh, I ha- would have to say, without a shadow of a doubt, you know. And and it wasn't only just Ray, but even just all of his family, and like even my family too. Like, um, and and my inner circle were definitely my way inclined. So I'd I'd leave all the medical stuff to the doctors, but when it came to my healing and, you know, thinking differently. um, It's it's two different things, isn't it? Sick care and healthcare. Yeah. It's uh, like, I think I shared a bit earlier. It's one thing to get a diagnosis. Yes, I understand. That's what's written on the piece of paper but it's yeah. a completely other thing to um to fall a victim to this prognosis yeah you um, just can't because you, know, you don't know no you and know it, but you don't know yeah well you know it turns out like I say my leukemia had become aggressive I was in line for a bone marrow transplant but you know um all of a sudden my leukemia had become less aggressive so it actually it had decelerated now you know and um you know it had decelerated I was finally in hematological remission which means all your 
you know, your blood picture is all normal, platelets and white blood cells. That's a but big I word still, for me, guys. Thank God you know it. <laughs> I still had um, leukemic cells in my bone marrow, and those are the ones that overproduce the white blood cells. And, you know, in the past, I would have been deemed fully healed. But nowadays, because they can test in such a deep molecular level, mm. you know, they can still detect things at a far deeper level. And um, my last test results were about 0. Um, 0.1 or 0. 0.01 or something. I can't remember exactly, but it was like such an incredibly low level um, that, you know, like I don't even think about it even being there, you know. Yeah. So, so it's the whole rewiring process that's got you to this state. You know, and it's yeah. got you to be able to um, share a story with us today and yeah. do the work that you do. And I'm still speechless because, you know, I, I'm listening to your story and just thinking about, I've seen, um, you know, I've been to, and I've seen the pictures of you in bed and to see you today just here and, you know, thriving and just loving life again. Like it's yeah. such a beautiful fairy tale, you know. Yeah. It, when they speak of fairy tales, like this is it, you're it. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, my thing is, you know, like, you know, you, you, you can live, you can live. I mean, I know we, we all have difficulties and whatnot and whatever, but you just don't have to be a victim to all of those things. You know, you know, yes, you can live with cancer as well. You can still thrive with it. You know, there's so many people out there that thrive with it. There's people I know who have it and don't have any any sorts of treatments or nothing, but don't pay any attention to it whatsoever. And, you know, maybe it's their mindset. I, I don't know, you know, what it is that they're doing, but, you know, you don't have to be like, oh, you know, when it's gone, then I can live my life. You know, yeah. you have to live your life now, regardless of what's going on. You know, you need to be that person that you want to be now. Before. I totally agree. Totally agree. Mm -hmm. uh, so many people, even without the cancer, live in a state of fear. Yeah. You know? And then the actions that come as a result of re um, reacting to fear, as, mm -hmm. as opposed to responding to what life's actually giving you, are two completely different timelines, right? Yeah. Two completely different days. And, you know, I, I've been in that situation. I've been in a state of fear and a state of survival and it's everybody else's fault and nothing going right and, you know, all of that rubbish that goes through your mind. But once you change that and recalibrate and like, you know, Antonella said, um, you know, just change your state and, mm. um, you know, find that, um, find that tuning, find that coherence between your heart and your mind. Um, it is an absolute game changer. So uh, you and I are both huge advocates for that. And, you know, um, we, we've we've studied and learned from some of the best in the world, if not the best of our lifetime, um, all of those modalities. And um, it's it's not stories that we're making up. Antonella's living proof. She's living proof that you can get through um, leukemia and come out the other side and still want to serve, you know, the, yeah. the biggest. And this is what we're here to do. We're here to serve. Yeah. And I'll, and I'll never stop doing my own work because, like, it's a passion for me. And, and you know, like, you, whoever you are out there that listening, you've just got to find what you're passionate about and do it and, and you know, and, you know, throw out those limitations of I'm too old, I don't have enough money, I don't have enough health, 
I don't have a, a relationship, I don't have this or that or the other. Like, honestly, like every day that you wake up in the morning, you have another chance at life. You know, every moment you have another chance at life. You know, every single moment you have another chance at life. And like, I'm baffled at the thought of, you know, people, you know, staying in a job that is like tearing them apart because of, you know, money. Like, I know money's important, but, you know, like you've got to find another way. Like, yeah, 100%. I totally agree. And it's um, people don't realise, but for me, myself, I can totally attest to that story. Stress was the biggest driver in my life that caused yeah. me to get unwell. It caused me to hit rock bottom and it caused me to um, basically hit a wall head on and, and have to ask myself, like, yeah. who am I? Why am I doing this? You know, I'm not happy. It's not fulfilling my life. And we're not saying to people, like, just go tomorrow and tell your boss that, you know, all the things that you hate about him and leave and don't do anything again because, you know, universe is just going to give you a money tree that's not how it works there are ways that you can um you know do something you love and do something you need to until you can do something you love um, yeah exactly full time and put those wheels in motion you know rather than being stuck in that situation like put the wheels in motion to to you know get yourself into something that you'd love yeah, there was a time in my life where I thought it was impossible. You know, like, well, what am I going to do? Like, I just come from this family from a third world country and they're just blue collar workers and I can't do anything. You know, all that, all those stories come up. But yeah. it was like yourself, just picking up and doing it step by step. Like, it's taken a long time to become the person that I am and live the life that I want and as per yourself. But, you know, if you do the work, it works. Like, yeah, if you do the work, it works. Yeah. And it's it's so important what you said before about um, you don't have to wait until you're hit with something like leukemia or cancer or life-changing event to, to make a decision to try and discover who you are. Yeah. Um, and it's not even about discovering who you are. It's about remembering who you are. Like everybody has a purpose for being here. And whatever it is that makes you like you, your why, and, you know, the legacy that you want to leave behind, there's, there's ways that you can find out how to do that. Yeah. You know? And um, it, it comes back again to what you said before about surrounding yourself with people who are inspired by life, that yeah. want something different to the story that have come before you, like whatever it is that you were told to do. Yeah. You know? and, and it's making the hard decisions, you know. Like, you know, you, you've got to make the tough call. Like I know, you know, when I was sick, it was like it was do or die. So for me, it's like if I have to change this, I will. If I have to let go of that person, I will, you know, like if I have to move, I will, you know. So, you know, some people who aren't confronted with a life or death situation or whether you are or whether you're not, like, you know, sometimes you've got to make the hard decisions about your life. Does it mean you need to leave your job? Does it mean you have to leave your relationship? Does it mean you need to leave the country you're living in? I mean, you can't now because of COVID, but... You know, does it mean you need to move house? You yeah. know, what does it's it so mean? True. It, it's you so know, true. It, it isn't going to be easy, but you need to make sometimes a tough call and have the courage to, to follow through with those things. You know, does it mean if I make this decision, I'm going to have, you know, everybody against me? You know, mm. especially being Italian, when you make certain decisions, you've got the whole Italian community against you. You've got the whole country against you, like... <laughs> 
You know what I, I mean? Yeah, I can totally relate to that because in the part of in the path of evolution, you know, as you're evolving, as you're growing, as you're expanding, as your mind, as your consciousness opens up, there are people that are, are going to say to you like, "You're crazy," you know, like, mm-hmm. "What's wrong with you? Why can't you just be normal?" Because that's their normal, but yeah. there's a new normal, right? There's a different way to see the world, and especially today in the digital age, if you're not doing something online because you like, you're stuck in the mindset that, um, you know, all, all, all I can do is a traditional job. Um, I I'd just invite you to reconsider that because yeah. there are so many ways online and there are so many things that you can do that, um, you know, that, that are in alignment with what is your why and what yeah. makes you passionate about doing what you do um, just to, you know, start taking baby steps and start thinking about different ways because Antonella and I would never even be able to connect now if it, if I was just to, you know, do what I did before, which is work in an office and not talk to anyone online because I had a fear of being online. You know, we would never would have been able to connect and have this conversation and share it with you guys. So there are so many ways that you can approach every single day. And like Antonella said, every single day is a gift. Every single day, every single time you open your eyes is a miracle. Yeah. Take ownership of that. Don't let it ride you. Like, take control of that. It's up to you. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, look at, you know, what do you need to do to change your life? What do you need to do to heal your life? And, you know, if you've got a physical condition, you know, it goes beyond the physical condition. Like, you know, when, like for me, obviously I had to heal my body, but I had to heal my life, you know, and as I healed my life, my body couldn't help but follow, you know? So, because, your body responds to you feeling good. Your body responds to when you feel like you're in track with your mission and purpose, you know, and getting leukemia was part of my mission and purpose, you know, 100%. and, and, you know, on some level, and this might be maybe controversial or something, but, you know, on some level before I even came here, maybe my soul was joyfully knowing that, you know, I was potentially going to come and experience something like this for the evolution of my own soul, for the evolution of humanity, you know, because when you look at it from that perspective, well, it's not really a big deal, you know, it's just like this little physical condition, you know. Exactly. It's so true though, like, you know, um, nothing matters but everything counts, right? If, if you can think about life like that, and I'm not saying be disrespectful or anything, but if you can just really tap into, like, like just think about it. Like, why are you here? Why are you here? You know, maybe Antonella's purpose was to be the leading, walking, non-fictional example of the fact that with changing your thoughts and changing the way you see yourself, you can actually shift in the physical plane as well. That's, that's full on, but that's exactly what's happened. This is why we're having this conversation. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, if, you're, if you are stuck and you don't know what your purpose and mission is in life, there are ways to find that out as well. And I love what you said before about sometimes your body responding. I think I heard it from John Martini. If you're not living in alignment with your talus and if you're not living in alignment with your purpose and uh, intention for being here, your body will respond to you and show you signs to bring you back, mm. you know, um, I think he said, if you're not living in alignment with your talus, uh, your L5 or, or your L6 disc will go out and pretty much force you to take and pay attention yeah. and, and ground you somehow to say, okay, stop. Just stop yeah. and take a moment 
take a breath and what is it that you need to do or yeah. be or think yeah and and you know what and and it's shifting the whole thing, the, shifting the whole thing around it's like how is my illness how is it healing me you know because we yeah. think we have to heal our illness but yeah. how is my illness healing me you know exactly. as soon as you can see how your illness is healing you and and you can feel healed by that you know, because, you know, what is my illness showing me? Why is this showing up? What do I need to change about my life? You know, yeah. who do I have to become? What do I need to do differently? You know, exactly. then the it will disappear. Exactly. Sometimes it's not the destination, it's the journey. It's the person you become in the process. It's the things and skills and like it goes back to, again, what you learned in resilience, you know. It's the person that you become in the journey of becoming who yeah. you are if that makes any sense. <laughs> if you got that, you're doing well. <laughs> um, yeah, oh, my God. Antonella, I would love to invite you back for another podcast since we've got so many topics that we can um, share and exchange thoughts on. Oh, absolutely. Um, There's loads. <laughs> so I think maybe we'll think about doing a mini-series on this because if you start talking about topics like neuroscience, quantum physics, epigenetics, meta, um, you know, metamechanics and uh, things like that, like we can talk for hours and hours and hours on just that. But I'm so grateful that you started doing the work whenever you did um, so that you could come and share your story with us today, you know. Mm-hmm. I'm so grateful that I've had time to get to know you on a, um, you know, on a personal level. And we're doing some fun things together at the moment as well. You know, yeah. doing a bit of personal development on the side in the quantum space. So that's, you know, look out for that. Um, but we've got so many gold nuggets already from you. But I just want to ask you for one final one. If there's one message that you want to leave to the world and today was your last day, what would that be? Well, it would be don't wait. Don't wait to go and do what you love. Don't let other people dictate to you what you're meant to be doing. Don't let your personal situation dictate to you. Don't let your past dictate to you. You know, don't be a victim to anything. Like, you know, um, just, just... Go and do what you want to do. Don't wait till it's too late because every single moment is an opportunity for you to go and, you know, be who you want to be. Do what you love. You know, open your heart. You know, make those changes. Do what makes you feel happy. You know, don't be stuck in a situation that, you know, you're, you're stuck in, you know, because you think that it's, you can't get out of this situation. You know, we live in such a great time and such a great place, you know. There you go, guys. You heard it straight from Antonella. Don't be a don't, be a do. Don't wait. Just, just you know, um, lean on the time that you've got right now, which is all you have. All you've got is a present moment right here, yeah. right now. Yeah. Um, to do what, a, to be, to do, be and have whatever it is that you want to do, be and have. Yeah. Don't, don't wait for everything to be in place. And, you know, if, if you're um, ill, ask yourself, what would a healed person do? If you want to be healed, what would a healed person do? Would a healed person keep talking about their illness? Would a healed person, 
you know, not do something because they think that they're ill, you know. Um, if you want to, if, if you want more money, you know, um, you know, be that person who is wealthy, you know, regardless of what your current situation is, you know, be, be, you know, what would a wealthy person do? What would a healed person do? What would a person who's in, in, in a loving relationship do? You know, be that person before it's even shown up yet. And it isn't easy. Like, it's not easy. But you You've got to do the work. Yeah. 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 And no I love that. About it, but you just have to do your work. All of the things that you've just mentioned come under the banner of abundance. And abundance, I think people misinterpret um, just with just income. It's not. It's abundance in every area of your life. You know, the abundance that you give is the abundance that you also receive. So, But you've got to be, um, like Antonella said, um, authentically in your own mind, worthy of it. Like you have to really believe that you are worthy of it and you have to have seen that within yourself. And that takes work. You know, reverse, reverse engineering that takes work. Um, and it, it's the inner work. So, but it's, it's not going to happen at the click of your fingers. You've actually got to go and do the work. You know, you've got to, like Antonella said, stop, stop it. Stop wasting time. Stop being the don't person. Just stop it. I think Bob Newhart has a video on that. So go on YouTube and check it out. Just stop it. Whatever it is that's not serving you right now in the present moment, don't do that. Do what does serve you. You know, adopt the mentality, adopt the lifestyle, make small changes. You can start with just drinking. I don't know if it's a physical thing, like start small, like we have just, you know, a liter of water a day with a bit of lemon in there, something mm. like that. Take baby steps. You don't have to go do some crash fud diet or whatever it is. That is not a lifestyle change. It's, for me personally, it's not sustainable. So mm. I recommend people just take uh, the first thing you've done is you've thought about it right now. So thank you for thinking about it right now. That, that's yeah. step one. <laughs> that's step one. But, oh, my goodness, Antonella, that was absolutely amazing. I, um, I'm so honoured to be, you know, um, to know you and to have been able to hear your story and to share this time with you and um, your journey in even just the last couple of weeks. And you say that I inspire you, but you inspire me so much. I mean, if, when, you, when you're able to see her, when I load the video, you'll see that she's glowing. She's glowing <laughs> because, you know, she's found that joy after all the things that she's um, been through that, is, that has built who she is. And I can't wait to read your book. So I'm hoping that, you know, I'll get an exclusive copy autographed <laughs> when that's released. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. It's just going shortly through the proofing stage. So, yeah. We're, we're almost there. The, the final steps and the final touches are happening. Um, and I, I'm sure a lot of people listening will want to reach out to you. And, um, you know, if they want to do that, connect with you, or if you've got something that you're working on that can help them, or, you know, they want to read your book, I'm sure there's a many people that will want to like you know hear the full version of the story we've really just touched on it today we've really kind of skimmed through snippets of it but it goes so so deep um how how can they get in touch with you well there's my website which is www.antonellatraino.com which is just currently being updated um so that you you know there might be a there might be an error message popping up uh, I do have my Facebook page, which is Antonella Traino Heal, and uh, you can send me a message on there. Um, so yeah, so there's some ways. Oh, and there's also my e- uh, my email address, which is info at antonellatraino.com. 
So, yeah. There you go, guys. There's a, at least four ways to reach Antonella. And if, if for some reason you didn't get any of that, reach out to me and I'll connect you. Yeah, um, and look out after my book. It's, it's called Dying to Live because it, you know, actually um, represents <laughs> that I was actually dying to live. You know how we talk about... When what a powerful, up. powerful, <laughs> powerful title. I, yeah. I didn't know that until literally this second. That's amazing. Yeah. Dying to yeah. Live by Antonella Trino. You know what? Aren't we all dying to live? Like, seriously. Like, take a look at yourself in the mirror and ask yourself, are you dying to live? You know, what are you dying to do that you're not doing? You know? I love and, that. Um, yeah, so it I goes into the, the story, but as well of some of, you know, it, it touches on epigenetics and some of the science behind it as well. I think what I love about the title and, and why I found that it's so empowering, like I said, I literally, you revealed it to me in the last couple of minutes, um, <laughs> is that it's not a survival story either. We're not here to survive. We're here to thrive. We're here to actually create, imagine, create and play like we did as kids. For some reason, we forgot how to do that. And that title is so profound. Um, thank you so much for <laughs> sharing it because I didn't know um, what it was called. And I, wa I wanted to ask you, but, you, you, you know, it, it came out anyway. So, yeah, perfect. Absolutely perfect. Well, there you go, guys. That's um, that is the story of uh, Antonella Trino, the nonfiction story of Antonella Trino. Um, but yeah, please connect with her. Um, you know, reach out to her if you've got any questions that you want to go deeper with. Um, if there's something that's resonated with you, and you just want to say thank you for saying yes to life. You know, thank you for. Um, being here to create that book uh, reach out to her or reach out to myself and I'll connect you um, and on that note thank you everybody for joining us on the emerge from your box podcast I will definitely bring Antonella back because with her book launch I'm sure she'll have um, a lot more to reveal she probably can't tell us everything <laughs> she's under <laughs> strict um you know strict guidelines to not reveal certain things so <laughs> um I, I would love to invite you back so I, yeah. i'd I love wait. to come back um you know because there's because obviously there's so much more to share than we can in an hour but yeah maybe a series is a good idea and um, yeah. i'm also so grateful to you margaret you inspire me so much and it's so good to have a kindred spirit on this journey through life you know it's Definitely. hard to find a soul sister. Thank yeah. you for being one of mine. It's um, it's it's an absolute honor to have someone like you in my life. You know, I, if you've ever spoken to Antonella, and and you will, because I think you should reach out. Um, you'll know that she's just a light. She's just a shining light. You could be having the worst day ever, and and she'll just put a smile on your face. You know, so do that. Like reach out. She will. She literally will light up your day. You know. <laughs> Um, all right, guys, thanks for listening. Until the next episode uh, of Emerge from Your Box podcast, um, have a wonderful day, evening, afternoon, whatever it is that you're doing, and we'll catch you on the next one. Thank you. Thanks. <laughs>